Don't Text Your Toes brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair is 2021 and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment or visit www.utahairmd.com. Jazz blow a big lead but still beat Charlotte. Good enough. Eldon says win by one or win by 100. It's all the same. Christopher and and, uh, Wyatt both say a win is a win. Hayden says no. Hayden wanted Charlotte blown out, annihilated, beat senseless. Get out. Stay out. It looked like it was going to be that way, but we see this all the time where it comes so easy for you. And the other team then sort of goes through the motions, but then they have a run because you sort of go through the motions. And so it's almost like a cliche in NBA games uh, that uh, teams don't stay down in the entire fourth four quarters. I do think there's some concern here, and you got to be aware of everything and be prepared for everything and go over everything as to why in the last couple of games or last few games, whatever it is, that you have had some decent leads and you've lost them. Now, it's not from a position of panic, but try to understand what happened that got you the lead and then what happened that lost you the lead and, you know, how you can improve on them because this is a never-ending quest for improvement really you know certainly not there's no such thing as a quest for perfection in college or uh, nba basketball that's for sure really in basketball in general you hear the experts say you know it's a game of errors so see what you did particularly what did you do when you lost that lead and go through it and review it which i'm sure they will do a thousand times over and Try to take some information from it and see what you can do to improve because you have to improve. It's a constant game of trying to improve. I think in this case, they missed a lot of shots. In other cases, they didn't get stops, and the problem was at the other end of the floor. Uh, There are nights that they don't get offensive rebounds. I mean, they had 22 offensive rebounds less. The Jazz did, which is a phenomenally high number. But they had it because they missed a lot of shots. But if you're missing shots, grab a lot of offensive rebounds. And they did. Yeah, as I look at the opponent, you know, how good are they in rebounding? And I don't uh, look at the standings of all that stuff to see where they rank. But looking at them and watching the game, they don't scream to me, wow, they've got a bunch of guys that are just rugged on the boards, that type of thing. So you'd expect them to be able to do that. And particularly the way the lineup is set up for the Jazz, particularly the starting lineup. You know, Your second-best rebounder is a 6'4 guy. Well, that just screams that Gobert is going to have probably as many opportunities as anybody in the league to get his team's rebounds. And Hassan Whiteside had seven rebounds in 12 minutes. Again, a phenomenal pace for the limited time he's playing. That's a lot of rebounds. Right, but he's not on the floor with Gobert. Nope. Nope. It was a perfect one for one. Gobert played 36 minutes and Whiteside played the other 12. So Yeah. Right. So, I mean, per, in terms of um, rebounds per minutes, Whiteside's going to be up there. Yep. Uh, but he doesn't play a lot of minutes uh, compared to O'Neal. And O'Neal does. And how many, last I checked, O'Neal had like 13, 14 boards, right? 
And so that's pretty good for, especially for someone his size. But I expect Gobert to be able to do those types of things because he's tall, he's good. That's what he's largely getting paid for defensively, which includes rebounding, although in this case offensive rebounding too. So when he gets these 20 rebound games, I'm certainly impressed, but I'm not overwhelmed. It's not out of the realm for him to do that consistently because of the makeup of the team. And I think that what you just said about Gobert goes for the whole team versus the league. You're aware when they win, and you're impressed, you like the win, but for what the Jazz want to accomplish, for what the players want, the coaches want, what the fan base wants, got to get to the Western Conference Finals for the first time with this group, want to go further than that and win a championship. But when you've had the best record in the league, and your record is head and shoulders better than a lot of other teams, how many statement games are there going to be where – You win one game, you walk off saying, that is really a good team. They can reach their goals. When you're sixth in the West, well, there's more teams to measure yourself against. But you get into the top three, they haven't played the Warriors or Suns. They won't until January, maybe for playing the Nets. But there aren't going to be that many games where a standalone game, you can look at a team and say they're really impressive. Most nights, if you get a win, you did what you were supposed to do because you're one of the best teams in the league. And you ought to beat Charlotte, who came in with a 16-16 and record, and Hayward was out. You ought to beat them. I believe in statement games. I think you can play about uh, 25 of them, maybe. <laughs> in the playoffs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't think there's such thing as a statement game in the, in the regular season. Uh, well, we know the Jazz have the Warriors coming up on the first but if the Jazz look great and they win, it'll still be, well, the Warriors don't have Clay Thompson back yet, which is true because they won't have him back yet. And they presumably will for those statement games you speak of in May and June. Right. Yeah. And you want to win, and then some games can give you a little bit more, uh, let's see, maybe confidence, depending on if you need that. But if you need that, that seems like that's the teams that are trying to get to the playoffs. I mean, the Jazz are not trying to get to the playoffs. That is already sealed, you know, barring the ultimate uh, unbelievable disaster, right? Those, those teams, but the Jazz are not on that level now. It's about success in the postseason, and you listen to it. Uh, all these, uh, the, all the national commentators, that's what they're looking at. What will you do in the postseason? And that's where if the Jazz want to get some motivation, oh, my gosh, because pretty much everybody and their dog, uh, the, I think the, the who's the one? There's only one guy who doesn't doubt him in the playoffs. And was that Chad Ford? Or the rest of them, uh, <laughs> they, they, they do. You just listen to them, right? And, and, and Mitchell talked about that. I can't remember after what game. Uh, or maybe it was an off-day Zoom session. I don't know. They all run together. But basically, you know, they do have to prove it. And the time will come here in a few months when it will be prove time. Uh, it's a fun game on uh, the opportunity New Year's night, as you said, that they play the Warriors. No question about that. That's You know, I can look at it in a slew of games. That's a bigger game. I get that. And that's a fun game. That's sort of where you... You can measure yourself a little bit, but I, I don't know that I can say it's a statement game because I don't know that what matters 
what happened on January 1st when you get to June 1st or whenever you should be able, if you have the opportunity to play them. It's not like, oh, man, remember what they did? I just don't know that. The, the, the regular season, they come at you one after another, and you try to win as many as you can. And then you want to make statements? Make statements in the postseason. I mean, look at the, look at the greatest players in the league history. Who can remember what they did in the regular season. We can remember some games. I mean, like what Jordan put something 50, whatever. Putting 55 on the Knicks in the garden. And I didn't even remember. I knew it was 50-something. But I don't remember. What what year was that? It was the year he came back from baseball. Oh, I can't can't tell you. Well, I had a documentary to jog my memory. Okay, fine. (laughs) I don't know if I would have gotten that at all. But it's still just one game standing out in a slew of games. But yet we can remember a a whole boatload of stuff about the postseason. Yep. Shrugging in Portland as he lit up the Blazers. I don't know why they're all going in. It's crazy, isn't it? I, I think I think that was in Chicago, though, wasn't it? Now you'll look it up. I know you will. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. the one I'm not going to look up. <laughs> on and on. The, we can recall that. And that's that's a position you want to be in. Because that means that you're really good if you're looking at it. Because no one is saying... Hey, you know, man, what what are the what are the Grizzlies going to do in the postseason? That's the way we're going to measure them. Now they're a nice up and coming team, right? I mean, they lost last night, I think, there, but uh, you know, they they got some talent, and, and it looks like better days might be ahead. Uh, but they're not at that level yet, and there's few teams that are at that level. You know, maybe uh, five teams right now, six if you want to count the Lakers, because of LeBron, and I don't have any problem if you do. Uh, but a couple of teams in the in the East. Brooklyn and the Bucks. Uh, you know, uh, the Sixers can ever get the Simmons things straightened out and see what type of talent they get back. I would consider them in there, but that's about it. Unless somebody's um, missing somebody off the top of my head. Yeah, I think I think you're being generous with Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, if they got this, well, Embiid's a big time player. You know, he is I mean? so, no doubt. So, yeah. and and maybe you can in in time with a healthy roster, you could put Denver in there. Uh, but right now, they've got uh, two starters out, and that, that's a significant blow. And they're not just role well, – I mean, they're role players in extent, but they're high-level role players. Uh, so uh, when they're healthy, you know, we'll reconsider that. But there's just a handful of teams that you're thinking, all right, their season is going to be determined by the postseason. So you want to be in there. Now, within that framework of those teams that are in there, there's a lot of pressure on the Jazz when we get to that point because of the fact that they did have the best record last year, and they're going to have one of the best. It doesn't look like they're going to have the best. I don't think that's fatal. But they're going – and it's a, it's a veteran core. It's not like, man, well, you know, let's give them a year or two to develop. Eh, not really. I, I don't know that I can say that. A year or two to develop? Nah, not anymore. Not when you got three guys in, in your 30s that are making vital contributions and, and getting to the point of mid-30s now. I realize Gobert and Mitchell are still younger, and Mitchell really younger, but still he's been in the league and he's been the focal point basically since day one going back four years. That's crazy to think of, uh, five years that it's been that long, but it comes at you fast. So that's why there's going to be a lot of pressure on these guys to see what you can do because you haven't lived up to, at least last year anyway, maybe you can say they they weren't 
saddled with big expectations last year or before last year. But once you have the best record in the league, you are saddled with big expectations and not getting out of the second round. There's no other way to spin it. That is a bitter disappointment. And I'm sorry to some of our friends out there who don't want to hear this, but that is a massive underachievement. And yeah, I know Conley had the hamstring and go uh, Mitchell, blah, blah, blah. But the other guys didn't have their top guys either, including the one guy who's considered the top two or three players in the league. Well, by the time they get to the second round this year, it looks like they are going to be running into an excellent team in either the Suns or the Warriors. Because well, they ran into an excellent team right. last year. That's why they got beat. And there is uh, no way that Ryan Smith is sitting there saying, yeah, we're paying all this luxury tax so we can get beat in the second round. I didn't even bring that up. I didn't <laughs> so, factor into it. But yeah, if you want to, absolutely. So to say that a second round loss, any, any second round loss, it was a disappointment and it will be going forward. Because they're all in. They're all in right now. When you listen to the, you know, the preseason stuff, I mean, Ainge wasn't, I mean, he just got introduced. But when Justin Zanuck talked in the preseason, it was, I mean, the future is now. He didn't go all George Allen on us. But, man, that just echoes through the ages. And that's, you You get in these, they call it team building. And you don't win until you have guys in your 30s, usually. And then as soon as you have guys in the 30s, you're on the clock. Because at some point... Guys are going to start having injuries and getting hurt. If this happens to LeBron, and it has, then it's going to happen to you too. I mean, nobody's more injury-proof than that guy, and even he's struggled yeah. with it. So, and they, they underachieved last year. Now, everybody, we're a soft media market, and I put myself right at the top, so I'm not calling out any individuals. But everybody wants to point out about their injuries. I mean, we, there's nobody who covers this team that doesn't want them to win. Nobody. Me included. So I put myself right at the top of the list here. And so we look to soften the blow. Soften it all you want, but losing in the second round with the, sec- with the best record in the league is not good enough. And they know it. They full well know it. So they're not probably going to get the best record in the league this year, but they're built to try to win it all. And that's great. And, and as you say, the owner is paying a ton of money to try to win it all. And if I'm a fan, which I am, that's good. That's what I want. I want them to be all in on winning. And it seems to me, by outward appearances, that they all, every one of them that is in management, coaching, players, they all are in it to win it. Can they get it done? It's going to be tough. But that's what the, that's what the task is. And I like it. More people weighing in. Jazz blow a big lead, but still beat Charlotte. Is it good enough? Eric says, can someone please explain how this team can go through a stretch in a game where it looks like no team on earth could have a chance to beat them and then in the same game go through another stretch where it looks like no one on the roster has ever touched a basketball in their life? That might be an extreme. (laughs) I like it, though, don't you? (laughs) But I also like that in... To follow that through, completely come back to the original. All right, those first two points. I mean, he's making a point there and exaggerating. I understand that. But the third chapter of that is then they put him away again. And that, and, and we could get lots of NBA people start on this. Certainly Locke would do it. Uh, most NBA games, there's three runs. And the team that has two of them wins. And the Jazz had two of the runs. And you can watch a Laker game, you can watch a Suns game, you can watch a Warrior game, watch the Nets if you don't want to stay up late and watch West Coast games. And that holds true across the league. 
year after year. There's a lot of games. Not all of them. There was one run in that Phoenix-Charlotte game Sunday night, and that was all Phoenix all the time. But there aren't that many of those games. It's usually they have one run, you have two, you win the game. And that's what happened last night. Jazz had a great first quarter. They had a great final three minutes. With the game on the line, they just went off. And I love the fact that, okay, they get the lead. Uh, I think they hit a three, right? Went up something like 93, 92, was it? Something mm-hmm. along those lines. And then Conley comes down, and it's a three, old-fashioned three-point play. You know, I love to see Conley do his thing. He's a veteran through and through. You know, we talk about the steady influence, all those cliches that are there. But I like the fact that it was him. And, yeah, it was a significant blow last year. I don't discount the fact that he was out. Uh, I'm I'm little hesitant to go with Mitchell when he's going for thirty nine nine and nine. Kawhi was out. That's the thing that you got to offset with Conley. That whatever problems you had with Conley, well, they had problems with Kawhi. So, but there's no question that they need him. There's just zero question that they need him. Absolutely, they need him. And I like the fact that he's he's hardly ever rattled, and he rarely shows emotion. The other night in the game that they lost, he showed emotion on the one play towards the end, and then they reviewed it, and it turns out he was right. <laughs> the one time he shows a little bit of emotion, like uh, towards the referee, they review it and reverse the call because Mike was right. You know, So you can't discount that. And they need him. They need everybody. There's no doubt about it because they're not this overwhelming superstar team that's just stocked with a bunch of Hall of Fame dudes. Uh, so they do need everybody. I understand that. And if they don't have somebody... Uh, somebody, you know, Mitchell and Gobert are more critical than whomever towards the end of the rotation. But they do need everybody. Yeah. And hopefully at that point, because that's what you want. If you're going to lose, you want a fair evaluation. And yeah, I get it. They didn't necessarily have a fair evaluation because they didn't have the full team. It sucks, but still you got to deal with it here going forward. And let's hope that they do have their full capacity of players. And I like their chances. When they get to that point, I'm excited for them to see what they can do at that point. And that's the thing that ought to scare everybody about the Warriors is they're off to this spectacular start and they don't have their full complement of players. They're missing the guy we would all label their second best player. It's a huge loss. And yet, look at them go. They are crushing it out of the gate. And they're doing it without yeah, Clay Thompson. Yeah, I mean, they are, but that's why I don't look at these games and just go crazy because they're crushing it. And half the teams that they're crushing it against aren't going to make the playoffs. So what does that mean? Well, it means that they need to be ready for the uh, Suns and the Nets and whoever they get in the second round. Jazz, maybe uh, one of these teams, the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Nuggets are all dealing with a ton of injuries. Maybe it would be the Grizzlies, though, who are dealing with an injury of their own. I mean, John Morant. He's back now. He's he's back now, and now they've lost two straight games. So I assume that they'll struggle a little bit. While his, uh, you know, the reacclimate somebody and everybody gets back to their new roles, new roles. But then, don't you think they'll probably go on a pretty good run again? Speaking of Memphis, yeah, yeah, they're a nice. They're a nice emerging team, right? So yeah, they're 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 going to be a tough out. Even if you beat them four one, I think they're going to be a tough out because you can have individual games that are close. Even if the overall series number doesn't indicate it. That's why I just don't look at, oh, they beat you 4-1 or you lost 4-1, whatever it might be, because the Grizzlies were tough, and I see no reason why they're not at least as tough as they were last year, and I'm 
uh, logic would dictate that they're going to be better. But the thing about the Warriors, there was a few years back, and we all remember it, that they seemed unbeatable. And maybe I'm way off on this, and I very well could be. It won't be the first time, won't be the last. But I don't look at them as unbeatable or you need to go crazy to be able to beat them like it was a few years back. I don't see them in that spot, even though they're putting up a record that would indicate it. <laughs> DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Road Home Radiothon continues right now. We are joined by Alicia Gleed, communication specialist for The Road Home. Alicia, good morning. Good morning, my friend. How are you? I'm doing well. I don't have a million-dollar match from the Huntsman Foundation, and you do, so, you know, you're a little <laughs> ahead of me, but good work by you. We're a little excited about it. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> so for people who don't know a lot about the road home, tell them, uh, tell them what you had to do in the last year with the pandemic, how that has changed things, and uh, how many people you've had to help and how it's worked. Yeah. So, I mean, our mission of the Road Home is to help people overcome homelessness as quickly as possible and move back into a home of their own. And so everything that we do really revolves around helping people move out of homelessness um, and moving back into housing. And so, you know, with the pandemic, I think that definitely provided um, plenty of challenges, right? Trying to ensure that the people that we serve are staying healthy and safe. Um, we've been working with many, many partners to help with this kind of, with this goal, um, because of course, shelter is a hard place to be during a pandemic, you know? And so we've been really grateful for our community partners and our team has just been incredible working with people still every single day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, um, to ensure that people, one, have a safe place to go if um, they are in need of emergency shelter, um, especially like our families, um, and also making sure that um, they're staying as healthy as possible while while there, while still always working on that goal to move back home um, quickly. So over the last year, we actually served um, over 6,800 people and nearly 2,000 of those were children. Now, the one thing that's, um, and that's just in um, our emergency shelter, but the exciting part of that is, is again, our housing programs are so important because we know that the way to really end homelessness is to help someone move into a home of their own that they can stay in and, um, you know, be able to be stable in and things like that. And so on any given night, we're actually serving more people in our housing programs than we are in our emergency shelter resource center programs. So that's, that's definitely heartening and enlightening. So we're so excited about this event to be able to help tell some of those stories um, with our staff and like the great work that they're doing to tell stories um, more about the people that we serve and of course to help raise those vital funds to um, provide those programs and services that help people move back home. Approximately 750 people helped every day with emergency shelter, but double that, over 1,500 people helped with housing every day to keep them in housing and uh, keep them uh, self-sufficient. Alicia, we appreciate all you do. If you want to help Alicia, you can donate online right now at theroadhome.org, theroadhome.org, or call 801-819-7300, 801-819-7300, or online at theroadhome.org. Alicia, thanks a lot. Thank you so much. 
DJ and PK coming up top of the hour. We're going to visit with Riley Jensen, our college football insider, and Joe Ingles coming up later this morning, 9 o'clock. Yach's just gotten the word. I literally two minutes ago. 9 o'clock, Joe Ingles right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.